Good morning, Covenant College. And a special shout out to my 10 a.m. New Testament class because I promised. <laughs> if you have your Bibles, please open them to Ephesians chapter 3. We're going to look at verses 14 to 21. Listen carefully. This is God's holy and inerrant word for us. For this reason, I kneel before the Father, from whom his whole family in heaven and on earth derives its name. I pray that out of his glorious riches, he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power together with all the saints to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ, and to know this love that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all that we ask or even imagine, according to his power that is at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations, forever and ever. Amen. The grass withers, the flower fades, but the word of our Lord stands forever. Pray with me. Father, we pray that in these brief moments, your spirit would work by and with your word that we might know Jesus better and trust him more. We pray this in his mighty name. Amen. I knew something was terribly wrong when I heard the snap. My brother-in-law and I and some friends were hiking the southern half of the John Muir Trail, 137 miles from Florence Lake uh, down to Whitney Portal. And we had just crossed over 12,000-foot Pincho Pass that morning. We were seven days out. And after lunch, we had sort of gotten strung out along the trail. And so I'm just kind of rolling down the trail, not paying attention to what I should be doing. And I tripped on a rock with my right foot, which wouldn't have been so bad. But as my pack carried me off the trail, my left foot got stuck in a crevice, and I heard the snap. At first, I hoped it was my trekking pole, but it wasn't. Uh, I was relieved to find out it wasn't my knee, but I had managed to wreck my ankle. So I sat down on the trail, I pulled out an ankle brace, slapped it on, and hobbled the two miles down to our rendezvous point at Woods Creek. Uh, by that time, it was so swollen, I knew that my trip was over. So when we all got rendezvoused together, I said to the men, you need to go ahead. You have a resupply tomorrow to meet. Um, you can't help me. I'll stay here tonight, hike out tomorrow. So I spent the night the next morning, crack of dawn. I was up and started to make my way out 16 miles down through King's Canyon to Rhodes End. But after three hours, I'd made it exactly two and a half miles. And I knew that I wasn't getting out of the mountains that day and maybe not the next. So I'm sitting in a creek on a rock, trying to ice my ankle and trying to think of something to pray. And I prayed this very non-theologian's prayer. Dear Lord, I'm in trouble. Please show up. 
Now, look, I was in worse trouble than I knew. My ankle wasn't sprained, it was broken. It was going to take a plate and six titanium screws to put it back together. But all I knew then is that I needed God to show up in power. Have you ever felt like that? Broken and battered and praying for God to show up. Beloved, I have a good word for you from the Lord this morning. The Apostle Paul tells us that because the Lord is able to do immeasurably more than all that we ask or even imagine, we must trust him in those times of our lives when we feel like it's slipping away. Paul begins with a prayer report in verses um, 14 to 19. And what he's going to do is he's going to try and lead us on a journey where he will say, let's be a people of prayer who will then, as we see God powerfully at work, be moved to be a people of praise. And so he begins with prayer. And here's what he prays. For this reason, I kneel before the Father, from whom his whole family in heaven and on earth derives its name. Uh, the reason that he's talking about here is it really starts back in chapter 1 when Paul says that you and I as God's beloved were chosen before the foundation of the world, before Lookout Mountain was carved and put in place. God knew you in relationship and he loved you and he called you by name. And then in chapter 2 verse 21 he says that we are being built as living stones into the body of Christ which is his church. In chapter 3, he says that glorious message is not just for us, but it's for every people group, every nation on the face of the earth. And Paul says that knowing that redemptive plan of God moves him to pray this way. He's going to pray that we would be strengthened to believe and given power to comprehend and that we're going by his grace to be filled with all the fullness of God. First of all, strength to believe. I pray that out of his glorious riches, he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. Look, Paul is not questioning that when we come to faith in Christ, we are indwelt by the Holy Spirit. In chapter 1 of Ephesians, he tells us that the Holy Spirit is his deposit. Uh, that God gives us so that we know that this is for real. But what Paul is praying is that we would, as God's people, begin to have strength through the Holy Spirit to not only understand it propositionally, sort of like you would for a doctrine two exam, but to understand it experientially, that Christ is indeed dwelling in our hearts through faith, that we would be actively praying each day, dear Lord, have mercy, help me to believe, I believe, help my unbelief. When circumstances come into our lives that shake us and cause us to doubt, Paul says God will give us strength to trust. But not only that, he's going to give us power to comprehend the extent and vastness of his love. I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power together with all the saints to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ, and to know this love 
that surpasses knowledge. The Apostle Paul says, listen, you are rooted and grounded in a life of love. You're, you're part of Christ's body, the church. You're being made by the Holy Spirit into the image of Christ. So in chapter 5, verse 1, he'll say, as beloved children, be imitators of Christ and live a life of love. That's our response to his saving work in us. But here he wants to direct our attention to the vastness of God's love. And while it's possible that he's making some kind of veiled allusion to the magical formulas that would have been used in the pagan temples in Ephesus, I think Calvin is right when he says he's just talking about the glorious vastness of it all. A few years back, I was able uh, to go to Israel. And if you go down to Beersheba and you go out to the Negev, there is a place called Maktesh Ramon. Some of you maybe have been there. And, you know, it doesn't look all that exciting from the parking lot. There's just kind of this trail going up, this gentle incline. But you get to the top, you look over the edge, and here is the Grand Canyon of Israel. So vast, so glorious, that all of a sudden you can barely take it in. And Paul says, I want you to come to see the vastness of the love of Christ and to know it experientially in your hearts. And of course, we know that best from the cross, from the fact that Jesus who died, who was raised alive, is even now at the right hand of the Father, praying for us by name, and he has written your name on his palms so he'll never forget. Jesus who lived a life we, dare, we could not live and died the death that we dare not die, when we trust him, our souls are secure. Our lives are safe. And Paul says, I want you to gather that because when you begin to pray that God would allow Christ to dwell in your hearts through his spirit by faith, and when you become captivated by his love, here's what's going to happen. You're going to be filled by his grace and grow up into the measure of the fullness of God. Down in chapter 4, he's going to explain that he means by this, so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. When we come to Christ, we are definitively declared his. But this progressive outworking of the Spirit in our lives will go on until we see him face to face when we will be like him. And if you and I are loved with a love like that, by the one who loved us and gave himself for us, it should move us to pray. So that when the morning light hits or the alarm goes off before the sun is up, and, and your first thought is, Holy Spirit, what do you want to do today? Would you allow me to have Christ dwell in my heart by faith? And would you give me a glimpse of the immensity of your love? And would you enable me to continue to grow up into the likeness of Jesus? So that the people around me will know that he is alive. Some years ago, uh, Kath and I were living in Tanzania, and we had a school vacation. We decided we would take our kids and a visiting Fulbright scholar and his wife to Makumi National Park. It's not one you've ever heard of, but there were animals, and so we got in the Land Cruiser and headed four hours 
uh, out to Makumi to see what we could find. Now, I've got to tell you about this Land Cruiser. I bought it from a man who told me that he got it from a Swedish grandmother that worked with the Danish aid organization, and she only drove it back and forth to the office. Uh, but the office must have been out in the middle of the desert because that thing was a wreck. And so on the way up to Makumi, the power steering belt broke, and trying to drive a Land Cruiser uh, without power steering is just nearly impossible. But we were going on safari, so we went into the park. We looked for lions all day. We went to the hippo pond, and there were no lions. Uh, we went to the places where they had been spotted and reported to the rangers. No lions. And finally, about noon, as we're cruising through the park, we just turn a corner. There's a baobab tree, and there is a pride of lions sacked out under the tree for an afternoon nap. It was so cool. They're lying on their back with their paws in the air, looking for all the world like giant kitties. So we got to stop and get some photos. But because this is a diesel engine, it makes the car shake like crazy uh, when it's in idle. So I switched it off, right? And uh, so we're, we're taking pictures, and the kids are so excited. First time we've seen lion in the wild. And all of a sudden, a lioness comes up and starts to kind of, you know, circle the Land Cruiser. Uh, she's figuring out, can I knock that window out and get one of those kids, right? So I begin to think, well, maybe we need to get out of here. I hit the switch, nothing. And all of a sudden, because I am prone to catastrophize, I see the headline, <laughs> missionary family and Fulbright scholar eaten by lion, <laughs> film at 11, right? This is, this is what's running through my mind. And then all of a sudden, I realize <laughs> I need the Holy Spirit, right? Jesus, send me the helper. It's a kid's song. Send me the helper to help me. Lord, would you please show up and start this engine. And I reach down and I heat the plug. You have no idea what that means. Um, till it glows red. And then I step on the diesel slightly and I crank the engine and it roars into life. Right? Because I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Sometimes, beloved, you and I need to be moved to prayer. Not just some of the time, but all of the time. Because that will enable us to become a people of praise. Uh, in verses 20 and 21, Paul just lets go and jumps into a doxology that is just astounding. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably, or John Stott will say infinitely more than all that we ask or even imagine according to his power that is at work within us. Listen, beloved, he is able. If you don't hear anything else this morning, I want you to hear that. The Lord is able to deal with the circumstances that come into our lives. God has never promised that we won't walk through suffering and hard times, but he's always promised that he'll go with us. And Paul says, first of all, he's able to do that. He's not asleep, he's not on vacation, he's not dead. He is, as Feldmeyer and Speakerman say, the God of the living. And he longs to come mighty to save for his people. Is he able to do immeasurably or infinitely more than we ask? You bet. God always answers prayer. Sometimes yes, 
sometimes no, sometimes not yet. We don't always know what we need, but we can believe, we can trust, because of what Jesus has done on the cross, that he is working everything out for his glory, ultimately, but also ultimately for our good. He's able to do more than we ask, but Paul says, better still, he's able to do immeasurably more than all that we even imagine. Are there things that you dare to dream but can't bring yourself to ask God to work in? Relationships that are broken. Um, situations, some of you are seniors, right? And you're excited that this is the last semester. These are the last papers, the last exams, but you know commencement is coming and the day after commencement is the first day of the rest of your life. And what are you going to do with it? And that stresses you out. Some of you have young children who don't sleep much at night. And you are struggling to find the strength to be patient and loving and just to get through the day. There may be staff and faculty here who have elderly parents who are nearing the end of their life and needing more and more care and you working a full-time job feel as if you don't have any resources to help you care for them. Maybe you're facing chronic illness. Where's the need? Where's the power shortage? See, the Lord is able, but he's not only able, he is willing. And he's not just willing, he is eager to do immeasurably more than we ask or even dream because he loves us. And we are his beloved sons and daughters of grace. That afternoon or morning on the trail, um, I, I said, dear Lord, please show up. Amen. Not my best day. And I looked up. You know, the psalmist says, look up to the hills from whence cometh our help. Uh, but I knew none was coming. Except there was a ranger on a horse with a pack train and a spare horse and an empty saddle coming straight at me. And I want to give a shout out to, to, uh, to Ranger Matt Sharp, who uh, is part of our covenant community, because the National Park Service is awesome. So Cindy comes up to me, and she checks out my ankle and says, yeah, that's wrecked. Uh, radio's into headquarters. <laughs> and because, now listen, because I learned to ride horses when I was 10 years old in Honey Rock Camp, we talked the National Park Service into letting me ride out of the high country on her spare horse, Red. I had always wanted to do this, but it is like incredibly expensive. It was never going to happen. And now for an entire day, I am just gazing at the beauty of King's Canyon, riding Red. And at one point, Cindy turns around, looks back over the mules at me and says, well, don't you look just like John Wayne. <laughs> if you ask me, why did I end up breaking my ankle? I'll say because I tripped, right? But if you ask me what God did with that crisis in my life, he broke into time and space and gave me a fresh experience of the vastness of his love. I, it felt to me at the time 
maybe I'm overstating it, but I don't think so. That it was as if he picked me up in his arms and carried me out of the mountains on that horse. Right? Now, I still had surgery. Uh, there was still the recovery. Uh, months of physical therapy. It took a year before things were the way they should be again. But I will never forget. I wouldn't trade that experience for anything. And I don't know what you're wrestling with this morning. But of this I am confident. He is able to do immeasurably more than you or I can possibly imagine. That's our birthright as his sons and daughters of grace. Let's pray. Father God, we pray that you would cause Christ to dwell in our hearts by faith. That you would show us the vastness of your love. That by your spirit we might grow up into the full maturity of Christ. And that you would move us to be men and women of prayer who cry out to you for our own sake, but also for our brothers and sisters who struggle. And that we would find you faithful, coming mighty to save. And Lord, we pray that you would be glorified, not only in Christ Jesus, and not only in your church, but in our lives as well, for the praise of your glorious grace. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.